customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Uh, Allison, the uh, Blue Jackets are, I think you could say, firmly in the offseason now. Uh, free agency has cooled. They still have some contracts to sign. Um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Vladislav Gavrikov, the leaders among them. Um, but I, there seems to be a sort of the offseason dance now where those just sort of sit there and get parked for a little while and, and people wait for... Wait for uh, dates on the calendar to serve as an impetus to a deal. So there's so much more to get to, though. But I think sometimes it helps and it can be interesting if you sort of fly from 30,000 feet and look at things. Uh, It changes your perspective a little bit. And I want to do that here today and talk about the hump. The hump. Yes, the hump. The Humpty Dance. Do you know the Humpty Um, Dance? I, I, I mean... I was going to go you on. Don't with know it, the I, dance. I do, unfortunately, right. and it would have been unfortunate for everybody else if I'd started, if I'd taken your lead and gone with it there. That's um, the point. I was going to say, do, do me, do me, do me, but uh, not everybody wants to hear that. Um, <laughs> how do the Blue Jackets get? Uh, have they? Are they slowly getting over the hump? Are they over the hump? Where are they in relation to the hump? Um, with the moves that they made this summer. So as you all, you know, but let me just quickly recast. They've changed some things. Josh Anderson's gone, traded to Montreal. Max Domi is here. They now have a second line center. 
a guy they believe in as the second line center. They signed Miko Koivu to be their third line center. That allows Boone Jenner to move to the left side. I think you can look at their forwards and say they're better. I think you look at their defense and say still pretty good. The top forward has not changed. Um, there's there will be some guys asked to to fill third uh, pairing minutes that have not <clears throat> done that regularly, and now Scott Harrington is their seven instead of their eight or nine. So maybe they've taken a little way a little away from the back end, but not in a meaningful, risky way. And the goaltenders are back. So I think they're better. Hell, if they just stay healthy, Allison, they're or relatively healthy. They're better than they were last year. If Cam Atkinson returns to being Cam Atkinson, they're better. Um, and they have a lot of young players, Texier, um, Bemstrom. We could go on. Even Dubois, I think you put in this category. Those are players that still should be getting noticeably better at this stages of their career with each year, they should be getting noticeably better. So all of those things, I think you could look at this team and say, better, for sure. Yeah, there's a reason to believe that this team is better. But are they better enough, if you will, to get over the hump? And and I guess we should define the hump as being a true Stanley Cup contender. And as much, you know, in, in a way... This is the greatest stretch of hockey that Columbus has known with the with the Blue Jackets in terms of making the playoffs four years in a row. And yet they've won one playoff series. I know they were super competitive against the Lightning this year. I know they were super competitive in series past against the Capitals. The bottom line is they've won one playoff series. Let, let, we'll break it down into specific categories, draft, free agency, and trades later but just a from 30,000 feet Allison where are they at in your opinion in terms of the hump getting over the hump to not just being the plucky bunch that is a tough out every night makes the playoffs and is kind enough to be competitive in the first round but tends to go by the wayside pretty quickly where are they in terms of getting up and over that yeah, I mean, I think I think the problem, the risk that people run with conversations like this is how, and this isn't, I'm not saying you're doing this, but it's how you started out the conversation, which is they're better. And we all agree they're better, right? I mean, I don't think that's a disagreement with the nuance that, that you outlined of defense, probably a little weaker. Goaltending is probably now a known strength versus a, is it going to be a strength? But the problem is that I think, we run into with these conversations is yes, they're better, but it's, are they better enough and not considering them better compared to what teams were last season, but what teams are going to be this coming season as well. Just like the blue jackets got better. It's not like every other team got worse. (laughs) So um, for me, like, and I'm curious to hear from you too, what you think, like for me, you mentioned it a little bit, but like for me, if you're over the hump, you are a favorite going into a playoff series. You are expected to make the playoffs. You have a marquee player that, or more, that is are known around the league. Um, those are maybe more intangible definitions too, but in both intangibles and tangibles, I don't think they're over the hump. I don't think they are. I think they're close. I think they're, like you said, they're scrappy and they can pull out a series win, but I don't think 
they're they're in the this is a legit contender category. But I'd be curious to hear if you can flesh out more to you what what really does over the hump look like? Like what's an over the hump team? You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Well, I almost feel like from the Columbus perspective, this may be unfair, but I feel like I feel like the perspective in Columbus is waiting for Pittsburgh and Washington to back up. Yep, yep, yep. Rather than to overtake them. Yep. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like I do. At some point, Crosby and Malk, <laughs> at some point they're going to get older. At some point, Ovechkin is not going to be able to carry that whole thing. And I think you started to see signs of both a little bit this year. For sure. Um, are they better than both of those teams? The other, the other thing that I think is really dangerous is like just as you said, like of course you th- you think you're better. I think most teams think they're better, but most teams, at least half of the teams who think they're better right now are wrong. Correct. And it's not going to work out. Correct. Um, so yeah, I I also think there are teams like the New York Rangers that I think you can say are demonstrably better. And are going to be freakishly good in a couple yes. years, yes. right? And yes. so, you know, waiting for other teams to back up is never really a successful model. Um, right. And and I so I worry about that. I think they are. I think they're a team now, and I and I guess this is my way of saying that I agree with you that they are not over the hump, but. I think they're a team that can play on an on a night by night basis with any team in the league. Oh, for like sure. They yeah. have they have that talent. There, it's not like it used to be where everything had to go right for them to win. I think if you look at a season as everybody's going to win twenty, everybody's going to lose twenty. It's what you do with the other forty two. Uh, I think they're I think they're well into the group of teams where you say that that's a playoff competitor, but I don't. I look at what other teams have done in the Metro and I don't see them as a threat to win the Metro. I don't see. Yes. And and that's so, and that's almost the definition of a contender, right? Is that you, that you're a team that can win your division. Um, I think they're a tough out, but I don't know how much more they are than a tough out. And I think, I think they made themselves a tougher out this off season, but I don't, I don't see them as a team where you just can't wait to get started because you've got some, you have some shit you got to settle against some teams in this division, and now you're in a position to do it. I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, and I here's here's what I think is really interesting. I think particularly, and and other fan bases have this, in my opinion, this team isn't well known around the league. That's just the way it is, right? Yeah. And so so that feeds that whole. We're better than everyone thinks we are, which may in fact be true to an extent. I would argue that some teams that people would say are over the hump actually aren't anymore. You just talked about Pittsburgh. Like I think Pittsburgh's off the hump, <laughs> personally. I think they've, they've come off it. Um, Washington's still probably there. But some teams are riding a reputation, but they're not really over the hump anymore either. Does that make sense? Like, it does, sure. But But I think that the the flip of this is you can't buck a reputation and say well see we are we are better it's just people don't know it no we the, the team may still need to do more to be truly over the hump at least in my yeah. opinion yeah and the the nut of it is they've won one playoff series exactly yes i mean 
that that is that's not being hard on them. That's just the reality. They won the qualifying series against Toronto, right? Which was nice. That was nice. I think that surprised some people. But they haven't had a playoff run. They have yes. not had a playoff run. They've won a playoff series. It was a hell of an upset against Tampa. Uh, give them a, they, they were the Buster Douglas of, of the playoffs that year. They pulled off a Buster Douglas-style upset. But they've not, they're not, I don't think they're at that point now where they give a team fits for in a seven-game series. I think they're still the team that irritates teams in a seven-game series and makes it difficult. But, but they still... The at the end of the series, the the hierarchy is still intact. Yes, um, and people say nice things about them. It allows them to feel better about themselves. But what have you really, truly, ultimately done? So we're making friends in this podcast. Everyone's going to love this. Well, <laughs> I think there's a lot of fans that feel the same way. Like you know, playoffs are awesome, and it's awesome. And, and like I look at it this way, and and we we're we exist in. A, sort of the journalistic space where I'm not a, I'm not allowed to be a Blue Jackets fan. I shouldn't be a Blue Jackets fan. If I'm a res, so I look at it as a resident of Columbus, I'm just still thrilled that there's an NHL team in town. Oh, for like sure. It's, it's just that basic, basic for me. Like there's a team here in Columbus, Ohio, the National Freaking Hockey League. That's amazing. Yep. So and I enjoy it at that level. Boom, right like that. But I think there are a ton of people who – you know, in 08, 09, we're like, oh, my God, playoffs. And right. 13, 14, we're like, we're back, baby. And <laughs> same with 16, 17. It was like, this is fun. Yes. And the last four years have been fun. But it's like so many other things. That's that's great. The playoffs are great. But now you're starting to hear frustration voiced that just making it isn't enough. It's not. And John Tortorella voices that all the time. Yes. And you started to hear it from, from Nick Felino where he's like, I'm so proud of what we accomplished here, even though, honestly, we haven't accomplished shit yet. He says right. that all the time. And yep. he's right. He's right. They've brought it from the basement. They brought it up to here. But the, that's that's – I don't want to say that's easy, but it's almost the easier part of getting it all the way up there. Yep. Now, now comes the really hard stuff. So let, let's look at the three paths of team building. Okay. And where they're at in each of those um, sort of sections, if you will. This is a team, Yarmo Kekalainen rose to prominence in the National Hockey League, really the hockey world, uh, because of his eye for amateur talent, his ability to draft. I did it in Ottawa, did it in St. Louis, and brought that with him to Columbus. Um, so, But the one thing, that, you know, let's just be honest about Yarmo's draft too, the 2013 draft. And he got here in February, so he had two months to evaluate that draft class. They had three first-round draft picks in that draft, and they were Alexander Wenberg, bought out, uh, Kirby Reichel, traded away, has not really had much of a sustainable NHL career. Is he even playing? He is, yeah. He's playing somewhere. Marco Dano was was the other pick who... Had a time, had a moment where you thought there was going to be something there, but really that that NHL future seems to have flamed out. Yep. That that's a hard thing to get past the 2013 draft. Um, they did well to land Dubois when they did in 2016, and, and so this isn't really so much an evaluation of Yarmo's drafts. It's just 
the idea, and this has been a Blue Jackets problem from the start, is they have never bottomed out yep. in the year to get Malkin, to get Crosby, to get Ovechkin, to get Stamkos, McDavid. You could go on and on and on. And they're not in a place now where they can do that. They're just not. like that. Yep. Like It just doesn't make any sense for them to do that. But then you also run the risk of being caught in this glut. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, Allison, your thoughts on the draft and how they're almost too good now, too competitive now, to think about shaping this roster or reshaping this roster through the draft, unless it's a, a long-term draft and develop situation, which I don't think the window's open that long. Yeah, I mean, the, the only other option is to do something crazy where you get a team who's willing to give you a top three draft pick and you pay handsomely for it, right? I mean, that's that's the only... They can't, they can't bottom out. And this is... It, it's interesting to me, as you said, when we we kind of observe this from this weird neutral place and, you know... Every year when the Blue Jackets were struggling, they'd finish strong, right? And everyone was right. so excited that they finished strong. But that has really hurt them because they've never gotten the draft pick that maybe the, the trueness of their season deserved, if you will. Right. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. Zach Wierenski is a tremendous player, but the Blue Jackets were pretty much locked in to being able to get Austin Matthews until how many games was it at the end? Like 14, oh, 15, yeah. something like that. And they just went on a tear. Yeah. And, and, and I, look again, Zach Wierenski's tremendous, but, when you talk about elite offensive talent and how rare it is, I mean, that's, that's a difference maker player right there. Um, and, and when they do get the high end pick, it's not a great draft year. I mean, I love Ryan Murray, yep. but that was not a great draft year. And even the number one pick, he's not even in the North America anymore. No, no. So they can't, they can't bottom out anymore. And the trick to bottoming out Toronto, who we just talked about, is a great example. Toronto and Buffalo bottom out the same year. One team knows how to recover. The other team doesn't. Yeah. Right? So even if you say, yes, it's worth the risk to bottom out, you better make damn sure you have a foolproof plan to come back. Because if you bottom out the wrong way, you're going to be stuck at the bottom for a long time. Yeah. And that's a huge risk. And I think back to the 12-13 season in particular when they were 
I mean, something just like 5, 12, and 4. It was terrible. Right? And it's Nathan McKinnon who's sitting right there. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go to Halifax and do a story on Nathan McKinnon. I'm going to leave in late March and spend a week up there. And then within two weeks, you're canceling your trip because the Blue Jackets have peeled off, you know, something stupid. Like, (laughs) it was like a 10-game point streak. Yep. And you're like, what? And then they go on another unbelievable tear. And they end up getting bounced on the last game of the season. It is great. The competitive fire of this team is spectacular. And that's the year they end up with their draft picks. And their first, the highest one was Wenberg. Yep. And I think he was 14th, 12th, something like that. 12th, 13th, 14th in there, yeah. Um, So they played their way, way out of McKinnon at that point. They did it again in in 14, 15, 15, 16. And I want to be clear. Like, I, I don't think, I think there's a difference between tanking Yes. Like, I don't think you, you, I, I think that's bad karma right there when you start intentionally losing. Uh, and honestly, there are old timers in this league that have never forgiven the Pittsburgh Penguins for bringing that into the NHL right. playbook, really, with them tanking back in the day to get Crosby, like almost to hilarious proportions. Um, and that's why the draft lottery was put in place so the teams wouldn't just totally give up on a season to get a specific player. Right. You don't want to do that. But it is different between the years they would go 15-1-1 one, and one at the end of the season, and they go they would go from picking third to picking 11th. And you're like... Excruciating. To what end? And exactly. this whole idea in, oh, it's a springboard into next season. And then from April, from the April God. end of one season to the October start of the other... That's six months. There's no springboard. Right. And and you've changed five players, right? right. I mean, it's right. just, no. It's, so all of that stuff has worked against them. And the draft, I mean, they, they've hit, I think I think mostly people think Yarmo's done a pretty good job in the draft with not great picks. Texier looks like a really good second round draft pick. You mentioned Wierenski. Like, they've nabbed some pretty damn good players in that not optimal space uh on the draft board but the you know Texier's this will be his third pro season coming up and i i think he's going to be a good nhl player but he's not the guy that's at the vanguard of your roster yeah. um so good player complimentary player at this point in his career but they're not in a position to use the draft to get immediately better to skyrocket up the charts and be um, a Stanley Cup contender because of a drafted player. Um, so we look at the other, at another element. Let me ask you this. Let me ask yeah, you please. this real quick. I hear your point on no tanking. What about want? We've, we've talked about avoiding an offer sheet. What about wanting an offer sheet as a strategy? Because then you get some picks. You get some elite picks. That's what you I'm saying. Also, you also lose a today player. Okay, but do you want to be do you want to be good for two to three years now, or do you want to be Pittsburgh? Well, that's fair. But so let me riddle you this: like, tell me the team that's going to go after. Uh, I think we're talking purely Dubois right now. Say it's Montreal. Sure. And they and this is all obviously theoretical. They sign Dubois to a deal worth eleven million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And so the Blue Jackets get four first-round draft picks. Right. That's great. But how bad is Montreal going to be 
in the next four years. And what are those draft picks going to be? I think it, I, I don't think it's crazy to think they're in the top half of the league. Right. Well, but, but look at what happened to San Jose and the Eric Carlson trade. You there said the same thing there. There are examples for sure, but that wasn't four of them and an offer sheet. That was sure. Sure. Um, but so if, if you, unless you know, like if Ottawa wanted to offer sheet Pierre-Luc Dubois right now, that's something you'd think about. Detroit, that's something you'd think about. Because you know that yes. you have reason to believe the picks are going to be really good. Right. Montreal, I, I don't want to be picking. I don't want, uh, you know, the, the number 20, the number 18, the number 23, and the number 24 the next four years for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And so that that's my reluctance there, if that makes any sense. It does. We can we can go into that later at another time because now I have all kinds of scenarios running through my head yeah. of things you could do. Yeah. But that is not the I'm, point. Go ahead. Um, and, and I also think that's the case where if you lose your number one center, your number one draft pick is going to be much better than the ones you're acquiring. Which is why it might be a good strategy. From the other team. I'm just saying. So you're, yeah. I I just they're not. They are in a mode right now where they, and it may be that perpetual okayness but they they're they're no i don't think they're anywhere near thinking of themselves as as a team that's gonna as a team that's gonna go that direction um free agency yes another way to take a leap ahead it is yes. it's not a great way to do business yes uh because the term and the salary are all inflated but it is a way to do business. And yes. I'm wondering, Allison, if you think the Blue Jackets are missing a chance to move up in the pecking order to get over the hump by signing. And there's still good players available. Hoffman is still there. Um, there are others. Uh, I, I can't believe how far Galchenyuk's fallen off the radar. Yes. But there are other guys still available. Should they be in that mode as a means to get up and over the hump? Um, I think, I, I, okay, I'm going to answer it two ways. I think that they should strongly consider it again another year. I don't think this, I think if there's, if there ends up being a match this season, I'm all for it, but I just don't think the talent level is really there this off season for a huge overpay, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I am starting to think that as a general rule, the more we look at what this team needs, which is elite offensive talent now, and how they're going to get it. I mean, if there, if there was a year to spend in a trade, this was the year, in my opinion. And, so, and that didn't really pan out great so far in terms of getting what they needed. So at this point, the next time uh, an Artemi Panarin-esque player comes out, if you can get them, pay them and do it. Um, because I, it, I just don't, we, you know, the draft, we talked about, that's not really going to be a viable avenue for this organization. As I said, I think trade, this was the year. I don't know how much currency they're going to have going forward for that kind of a deal. So free agency might have to become the answer. And again, I say, yeah, you have to overpay, but if overpay turns you into a contender for three, four, five years, which starts getting more free agents to want to come here, which starts getting you playoff wins, which starts getting you participation in multiple finals yeah overpay that guy i say yeah i mean I, I are they made better by signing mike hoffman 
to a contract at a reasonable price. And one assumes that his price is getting lower and lower right. by the day. That's something they have to, that's something they have to kick around because yes, to, to sign him pushes Texier either off the top line or out of the top six. It, because you've got Gustav Nyquist there. Who's probably going to, who's making five and a half million. Who's going to be in your top six. Probably. You've got on the right side, Atkinson and Bjorkstrand. So to put Hoffman in there, Hoffman, Nyquist, I don't mind Texier in the third line necessarily because he, he hasn't exactly shown himself to be a bona fide NHL stud at this point. Uh, but then you're looking at Felino on the fourth line, which some would be fine with. Um, yeah, I, I, think there, I, I think the organization has to weigh who do you prefer in your top six right now today? And what does what what do the centers need? What do the other people in our top six currently need? I think that this team thinks that Dubois not a not necessarily. I'm not degrading his skills as a playmaker, but I think they feel like he needs a playmaker on that wing. Um, and Panarin was a bit of a playmaker. Texier seems to be more of a playmaker than a shooter on the left side. So I think that's part of the attraction there with him um I, I i'm not sure free agency maybe on a one-year deal you take a flyer on it and see where it goes okay um but this year what's left i'm not sure are players that put them up over the hump agree but but here's, to be honest with you i agree but here's the thing too as and and i'm not picking on you directly but if if alexander texier if let's say mike hoffman comes here which i i would not love for a multitude of reasons but let's say that happens if alexander texier earns his way into the top six he's going to play in the top six mm-hmm. and what a luxury to have a player who could be a top if if right now we can't say definitively alexander texier is a top six player or any of these other names that's even more reason why new talent needs to come to the organization better talent sure. needs to come to the organization and Honestly, at this point, I don't care how much Gustav Nyquist is making. Like, get the best players in this. Like, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but people do this sometimes, right? Like, well, you can't move so and so. You know, you have to have this yeah. and that. Right. No, you have to have the very best players you can have in the right combinations on the ice to win games. Period. And I, you know, this goes back to we talked about Nick Felino retired retired jersey. Great guy has done a tremendous amount, but is it? Over is it over that hump, right? Is it significant enough? And until we, until this team gets over this hump, you you have to measure your degree of attachment, attachment if that makes sense to certain players. Not you, but yeah. the, the, the. I'm not going down that road again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. Directv gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, so that brings us to the third aspect of all of this, which I think is the most viable. <coughs> Excuse me. I think Yermo Kekalainen thinks is the most viable. And that's trades. Um, and I, 
when you look, we just sort of presented this, but if they sign Hoffman, what that does to the left side and potentially the right side of their forward lines. Uh, we met, we didn't mention Jenner on the left side either. Jenner's third. I think he's got to be in your top nine for sure. So maybe Felino flips to the right in the previous scenarios. But yeah, I think when you look at where they're at and you look at what just signing a free agent would do, this again brings me back to the conclusion that a trade is the most likely. And Columbus and, and franchises like it have for years existed in this um, almost a fairy tale land of looking at other teams and seeing how much distress they're in financially and saying, oh, this is great. They're going to have to trade a really good player. Right. And maybe they'll give them to us because we're the nice guy that nobody <laughs> hates. So maybe they'll give them us a really good player. And then that player trades an awful contract to, say, Arizona. And then they're fine. And right. everyone goes, whew, okay, they cleared that hurdle. Right. And then the next year, teams like Columbus say, look at all these teams with terrible cap situations. Maybe they'll trade us a really good player. Yep. And somehow they they tend to weasel out of it every time without ever having give, giving up a player that they don't want to give up. Right. Uh, it's almost like trickle-down economics in the NHL. <laughs> but it never gets there. Right. Um, this year it may get there because – I think the Tyler Johnson clearing waivers oh, yeah. is proof that teams are not are not able to shake uh, their pant cuff free of a trap like they have been in year in years past. And so maybe this is year, and I think Yarmo is, is smart to wait if it comes to fruition, that several teams, and it's not just Tampa Bay, are going to have to make trades that they don't want to make. Mm-hmm. Um and I know Tyler Johnson is not a player that some people love. But if you can get Tyler Johnson and a first-round draft pick for a third-round pick or a fifth-round pick, that's a trade I think you, uh, if you're Columbus, would have to absolutely consider. And maybe he becomes your third-line center and Koivu goes to the fourth spot and Riley Nash plays his final year here on the wing. Um, I think... To me, those are the kind of deals that Yarmo may be waiting on. And again, there will be many, many more. There are players that are going to be available that we don't even know yet um, because their their team is still facing a financial situation that they're trying to get their arms around. So Allison t- trades as a way for the Blue Jackets to get up and over. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I'm, I almost feel like, like I agree with the scenario you presented, but I almost now feel like the again, what does this team really need? They need really good players, and they've they've we we thought we saw that coming for a bit when when the off season started. It looked like those that might be the direction the team was headed in, and I almost feel like the currency that they had to spend comfortably in a trade this year is is quite a bit spent now. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like I don't. It does. If, if they make a trade now, if they make a trade now for what they really need, it's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to be a, yeah. it's going to be a trade. Um, you know, again, I think the scenario you outlined is, is a great scenario. Yeah. It's, it makes the team better. But again, if the question we're trying to answer is, does that put them over the hump? No, I don't think it does. I think we're yeah. still talking about this pretty good team 
that got better, they're on their way, but they're not, oh crap, that's a scary team now. They're not there yet, yeah. even with a Tyler yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Um, and the, the risk, of course, to, that we're talking about with all of this is that you become the team that just gets stuck in this good enough but never great enough yep. mode. And it's a really hard thing to get out of, and it, it requires some resources to sustain. Yep. It takes it it takes some really hard to um, takes a really strong bite down hard moves to get out of it because it, mm-hmm. it requires you to trade some pieces that you don't want to trade. Um, and so some, uh, a, a writer in Winnipeg, Marat was, was putting together trade proposals and I love some trade proposals cause you're like, you know what, that's really, that, that proposal right there is from somebody who pays attention yeah. to the other team. It's not just picking favorite players out of the league and saying this, 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 and this for this, but the, a reader in Winnipeg suggested, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Texier, and Kirill Marchenko for Patrick Laine. I don't make that. And true. if you're Columbus, yeah, yeah, but and that's fine. I am not sure that I do either. I, yeah. I may need a sweetener, but you go. That's probably what it would be. That's a fair because tr- it's a fair yeah yeah. Seth Jones or Zach Wierenski's probably putting the phone, getting the phone put down immediately. Right? Yes. yes. They're not going there. But it's going to hurt. It would hurt to make that trade. Yep. For most people listening. But I think that gives you an idea of like, this is a, f- a potential 50 goal score line A. That's what the cost would be. Yep. And that, that might, and I'm not saying they should do that one, but that's the kind of trade that they may have to make where at first people go, oh my God, like you're giving up these, this wishful thinking for tomorrow. Like you we've been told that Marchenko's a special player and he's going to be a special player when he gets here. And that's in three years. We believe Texier is going to be a special player. We you know, kind of know what Bjorkstrand can do. That's probably the kind of trade, not that one in particular, but that type of trade yep. that Kekalainen might have to make to get them up and over. And, uh, he has been, I think, reluctant to do that. He's traded draft picks without names, first-round draft picks that don't have names attached to him yet, and uh, prospects that he's he's not that high on. Um, you know, Abramov, first-round draft pick, uh, those guys. But he hasn't shown a willingness yet to part with those young guys um, that he's so hopeful of, of Columbus's future. And so that may be the difficult thing that might be the difficult hurdle that they have have to clear. So, well, and I, I'm not, I don't see any sign that it's, that it's coming. But that, but this is, I mean, flashback. I mean, that was, you, if, if you replaced the names you just said with Seth Jones and Ryan Johansson, is that not the, the tenor of the emotion and the, the opinion of the players at that time? You're going to trade Ryan Johansson? Don't trade yeah. Ryan Johansson. I mean, it was a year prior. It was a year prior when Ryan Johansson was the hang up the phone player. And so I say that to say that Yarmo isn't afraid to make that move. And this is where, as you said earlier, his talent evaluation 
would be critical because the right kinds of trades hurt. I think, like I said, they spent the extra currency they had already, so it's going to hurt. But if it's the right trade to get what you need, I mean, Seth Jones is what they needed, and Seth Jones is exactly what they needed now. We see that for sure. So you make the trade, but it is, in fact, going to hurt. And it was easier for them to trade Johansson because they – they were skeptical of what he could become and they didn't draft him. Like he wasn't there. Right, baby. right, right. Well, sure. Right. He loves Texier. He loves Bjorkstrand. He loved Dano. Like, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. But I, and, and I, I don't mean, I don't mean he loves them uh, to the point where he couldn't part with them. But I think right. these players that you admire so much, it's harder to give up those guys for a guy that's uh, the the big deal, but the, that's the kind of trade that that they may have to look at to get where they want to go. Yes. Um, one other thing we need to get to Carson Meyer, Allison. You yes. probably know his name. Uh, people who are listening to this podcast, uh, as he says all the time, uh, we ran a story a couple years ago about Carson Meyer's unfortunate sophomore season at Miami. How he he felt like crap for for the better part of the year, and later discovered that he had a tapeworm. Mm-hmm. I hope you're not listening to this during lunch. A 25 inch tapeworm in him. Um, that was the problem, and he left Miami, came to Ohio State. This kid's been through some stuff. This year at Ohio State uh, has. <laughs> Has a breakout season, 17 goals, has a four-goal game against a pretty damn good Wisconsin team. And then a game later uh, in the Big Ten quarterfinals, it's mid-March. You all remember what happened then. Season canceled. And along with it is Carson Meyer's chance late last spring to go to Cleveland and play for the Monsters and prove himself worthy of an NHL deal. So I'm not sure that it would have happened even in that scenario, but the Blue Jackets did not. Uh, extend to him an entry-level deal, or at least they couldn't come to terms on one. But this week, Carson Meyer signs a minor league deal one year with the Cleveland Monsters, uh, keeping him in Ohio, giving the young man a start to his pro career. And this is a kid you kind of root for. He's from Powell, Ohio, if that's not enough for you. Uh, He's a local kid. So another kid joins from Central Ohio, joins the pro hockey ranks. And this is a kid that's got some interesting aspects to his game, Allison. Yeah, I mean, I had the opportunity to cover him in his two years at Ohio State as well. And I think, you know, there are a few interesting wrinkles and positives that come out of this insane situation we're all living in. And and for a player like Carson, I think this is a player who could potentially benefit because since teams aren't able to be as carefree, if you will, with signing entry-level deals, they have to be more careful in terms of contract limits and money spent. Um it gives the player some flexibility. It is just a one-year deal. So if he proves himself, he's going to have a lot of suitors. He's not going to be tied to a low deal if he is able to break out. Um, and I think it also doesn't reflect on him as it might in other years to quote-unquote not get an NHL deal, right? Because a lot of teams aren't even qualifying players that they have in the organization, So, including players like Carson. So it's not it's not as direct a reflection on can or cannot play at this level. So I like it. I think it's going to be really interesting to see him play at the AHL level, see if it can translate. He is a smaller in stature guy. 
Um, but he, he took some licks at Ohio State, and we'll see if he can, it, it, just like everybody else, can he take that next step? Yeah. His skating is a concern. His frame is a concern because he's in good shape, but he has a slight uh, type frame. He has an NHL shot. Yep. Is what everybody says that the kid can rip it. In fact, there are some Blue Jackets goaltenders who loved having him shoot on them in the in the uh, fall when camp broke last year because his shot was so so damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Elvis was fond of of practicing with Carson Meyer because of that shot. Um, so yeah, root for the young man. He's uh, healthy. Had a great year at Ohio State. By all by all accounts, had a wonderful college experience at Ohio State too. Um, and so he's now a professional in the uh, Cleveland Monsters organization. Um, Allison, anything else we need to get to? I think that's it. All right. Well, for our producer, Chip Lehman, for our wonderful intro music from the great David Cook, uh, thanks to them for that. And we will talk to you again next Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.